1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on the hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network.
3: Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, November 23rd, and you are watching The Hash on Coindesk TV and listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jensen Assey. Today, I'm joined by Wendy o and Will Foxley and what a refreshing day it is because we are not talking about FTX today. What a day. I didn't know that we, we would have gotten here, but here we are. We did it, guys. We are going to launch into the first story, which I have. We're going to talk about El Salvador. Now, amidst everything that's been going on in the last two weeks, I found myself thinking probably about every other day, What's going on in El Salvador and so I'm happy that today we get to talk about it. So El Salvador's National Assembly is considering a draft bill to regulate digital securities which is an indication that the country will move forward with its plans to issue Bitcoin-backed bonds. You'll remember in March the country put a pause on these Bitcoin-backed bonds. The bill was presented by the Minister of Economy Maria Luisa Hayem Breve, and seeks to establish a National Digital Assets Commission to oversee the regulation Of digital asset issuers and service providers. Wendy, I'm going to kick this one off to you first. What do you think about El Salvador moving ahead with these bonds?
1: I think that it is absolutely amazing. And I don't want to get into the way that he governs his country but I really do want to focus on how El Salvador is using Bitcoin as a tool to essentially gain their power back. This is why Bitcoin was created. It was created for the people by the people and we yes even though President Pikalili is this I guess that he calls himself the CEO of El Salvador or whatever it is is a joke I think it is important to note that we're seeing a country that got a lot of slack globally essentially take their power back and tell people and tell a lot of these organized organizations, these big um, global organizations, we don't need you. We don't need your help. We don't want your help. We are fine on our own. And essentially, they're taking their power back and they're creating their own monetary policy and they're cre- creating their own laws and regulations for all of this stuff. So I think it's absolutely amazing. And it just goes to show that we're starting to see a shift in a lot of, in the way a lot of different countries portray themselves and how they're using Bitcoin to essentially help their people in a positive aspect. So again, 100% here for it. I root for the underdogs as always.
0: Yeah, I'll pick it up. I think this is an interesting story and one that we've been waiting for for quite a while, right? Like, people have been wanting this bond to proceed and it was delayed quite a bit. The last delay, the excuse for it was the war between Ukraine and Russia. And people were kind of scratching their heads being like, why does that have any bearing on a small nation in Latin America? Maybe they have the reasons. I don't know. I'm not a geopolitical expert, but there's definitely some questions around that. But now we're seeing it proceed and hopefully it does actually happen. I think this bond itself, like as a financial instrument, is probably the most important thing about uh, the Bitcoin journey in El Salvador. Like the legal tender movement was big, of course, and it got some repercussions from the IMF. But it really just fell on people in El Salvador, right? And there's been some adoption there. There's some stories about that. But I think this bond actually shows that, hey, they want to raise funds using this new technology. And they don't want to go to the IMF to do this, right? So like the backstory here is developing countries are always going to these large, westernized institutions for funding. They're going to the IMF, going to the World Bank, they're going to the UN. And every time you go get a check from them, well, there's strings attached. And those strings, they're onerous, and they often mean you have to change your entire market economy based on what these third bodies want. Bukele, to his credit, said, no, we don't want to play by your games anymore or by your rules. We want to go our own separate way. And so they create this Bitcoin bond idea with like the purpose of raising funds for the country because it does need funds, right? At the end of the day, they still need funds for infrastructure, for healthcare, for childcare, for those sort of things. But they're going to do it in a free market using Bitcoin as like the back end, the promissory part of this note. Hopefully it proceeds. I'd love to see it close. I think it'd be a big deal. And I think it'd be like a nice instrumentation for other countries that are also looking for some sort of financial benefit but without anything attached to the World Bank or the IMF, and frankly, a lot of the crony policies that they use. Jen, back over to you.
3: Yeah. You know, Will, I think you and I on the show before had a little bit of back and forth as to like what's going to happen to El Salvador in the bear market. And I think we're seeing exactly what is going to happen to El Salvador in the bear market. They're continuing to push on. I believe that President Bukele recently said that the country is going to start buying a Bitcoin a day. We have no information on if that has come to fruition, if they are actually buying a Bitcoin a day. Uh, And I wonder if we're going to see more countries follow in El Salvador's footsteps. We we pondered that a lot when this news was announced during the bull market. And now that we're in the bear market, I think that maybe some other countries who traditionally rely on um, solutions that, you know, the World Bank and the IMF provide with those caveats could be looking to Bitcoin and could be looking to sell as a use case. I do want to talk about this Bitcoin fund management agency that will be put into place um, if this, these new rules are passed into law. They'll be responsible for administering, safeguarding and investing funds from public offerings of digital assets carried out by the state of El Salvador and its autonomous institutions. I thought that autonomous institutions language was really interesting. It may be pointing to El Salvador looking at some kind of DAO to govern to govern this newfound, uh, these newfound assets. I don't know that, but I thought that was interesting language. Wendy? I
1: wonder, okay, so if they do, in fact, you do a DAO, decide to do a DAO, is it going to be a Bitcoin DAO or is it going to be some sort of Ethereum-based DAO? What chain do you think that they're going to
0: use? Can you do a Bitcoin-based DAO?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But if they decide to use a separate chain from Bitcoin, a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists, I think, would be up in arms about it, if it for a DAO. But I, again, I think a DAO is a great idea. But at the same time, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out.
3: Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, like we do so often on this show. Got to mm-hmm. wait and see.
1: But we have to <laughs> talk about this next story because this is important. We're in crypto. We're here for the gains, right? Anyways. Pre having rally, Litecoin surges forty three percent to six month high. Shout out to my good friend and fellow YouTuber Tom Crown because he is a big big Litecoin stand and he is now being vindicated. So it looks like Litecoin has rallied over forty three percent from fifty five dollars to seventy nine nine dollars this month, and prices up approximately twenty eight percent in the past twenty four hours. Posted a thirty five percent increase on the weekly, and one point four six billion was added to the Litecoin market cap in a week, around one billion of capital inflow. Emerging in the last 24 hours and a little bit of a fun note over here. Litecoin flipped soul in market cap yesterday, which I think was pre- is pretty interesting to watch. I feel like Litecoin is the, the underdog of the industry. So super cool. I think we will see, continue to see a bullish rally. I don't know this for sure. Now I, I didn't get a chance to check before we went live, but I think you can merge mine Litecoin with Dogecoin. And if that is true, and I hope Will can fact check me on this. If not, um, that's kind of going to be a very important fundamental aspect, especially for Litecoin, because we all know who bought Twitter and who loves Dogecoin.
0: I can fact check you, but I don't need to because it's correct. You can. It's merch mining there, which is pretty cool. And a lot of people who are mining those two assets during the last bull run made quite a bit of money. But right now, and Litecoin's pumping. Litecoin's pumping. So that's notable for sure. Uh, I think it does go back to sort of that happening thesis, which with Bitcoin is a big deal. Every four years we see halving and a lot of people look to that as like the next price pusher. Um, we'll see if that comes true. Like Bitcoin's trading around 16K right now, which is like you know, down 75% plus from all-time highs. Might have to wait another two years before we see anything. If you do subscribe to that halving thesis. I want to point out two other stories that are actually sort of just in the token realm right now. And that's Curve USD. Curve is a is a is basically a stablecoin app on DeFi applications. And they just announced a new white paper for their own stablecoin. That they're going to launch that push curve the native token for the curve application up quite a bit yesterday. So there's some price action around that. And then secondly, Aave, which is another DeFi application, announced some new specifications for its GHO excuse me, stablecoin, which also brought some price action to Aave. Interesting to see those two projects launch. Uh, right now, you know, we, you can look at all these tokens, and there's a lot out there. A lot of them have drawn down, like. plus. But I do think in this cycle, this 2021, 2022 uh, bull bear cycle, we're going to see some tokens stick around that a lot of times would have washed out otherwise. So I think it's cool to see like Curve USD launch a new product or Curve launch Curve USD. And then Aave also keep pushing forward with new products. Uh, Litecoin still hanging around, but I'm excited to see some of these other projects keep booting up. Jen, over to you.
3: Yeah. When I read this headline, I was like, oh, what. We're talking about Litecoin. Let me go onto Twitter and see what people are saying. And I came across this that Michael Saylor clip. He was on a Twitter spaces suggesting that Litecoin is the new Bitcoin. It is the new digital commodity that people should be paying attention to. And then some other tweets I saw were referencing reports of on-chain data suggesting that people are hodling Litecoin and that people are seeing Litecoin um, as a beacon of stability amongst all of the instability we're seeing in the space. Wendy, I wanted to get your opinion on that. Is that why we're seeing this, this price movement or is this just like Twitter chatter and noise?
1: I honestly think the, that mining economics are very, very important. Again, I'm not an expert on that. It's way over my head. But I think that that's something that a lot of traders and a lot of investors don't pay attention to is mining economics and how those work, because you generally do get um, positive price action during specific dates, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is still operating on a four year cycle until proven. Otherwise, you can go back and you can look at the charts. But when it comes to Litecoin, one of the interesting, another interesting fundamental aspects of it is the fact that it was one of the coins that was listed on Coinbase like way back when, like 2017, 2018. And I feel like every single brand new exchange that pops up, You always have like Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin. Those are always the three coins that are listed there. And we haven't had a whole lot of chatter from the SEC or other regulatory bodies in the US about Litecoin being a security or not. So I do know that their foundation is a great group of people and they're working towards building um, really cool things in the future with Litecoin. Um, But at the same time, it's a great, it's a tight knit community and people just absolutely love Litecoin. So shout out to anybody that's making money. The only thing I'm going to ask of you guys is please consider taking profit um things tend to continue to go down and we are operating in a four-year cycle until proven otherwise. And use use please, please, please use cold storage.
0: I'll take the other oh. opinion on that. I think this Litecoin pump, it might be something to do with the mining economics. I do agree on the trading part that I think a lot of traders don't look at the mining economics. And it's important to note that because everything has some sort of tail emission. But I think what we're seeing here is just a classic case of it's a bear market, a random token catches some sort of fundamental traders look at, and then the price pumps because of it. And it makes sense, right? Like Litecoin, a lot of these other coins, they have very thin liquidity. They're going to pop when someone just tweets about it or when someone brings it up. Litecoin's been around for a very long time and sort of like this beloved meme within crypto, very much so like Doge, It just kind of like the silver to Bitcoin's gold. And I think that's why you see people still talk about it. But I don't see it as anything that you just mentioned there, Jen, with like Michael Saylor talking about it as some sort of like unit of stability within crypto. Uh, for the most part, it's even been treated by its founders as some sort of test net for Bitcoin, or that's the way they've tried to brand it. And it has to some degree. They've added some implementations like SegWit earlier than Bitcoin did in order to like prove it and test it. That being said, there is some like cool stuff going on with Litecoin. They're trying to add like Mimblewimble, which is like a privacy tech. Uh, so there's some other things going on there that make it unlike bitcoin in a few regards. But for the most part, I would just say like this story, illiquid token caught some sort of attention maybe because of the happening and now it's trading up a little bit. But Wendy, I want to hear some rebuttal to that.
1: <laughs> Leave the Litecoin community alone. I will protect them all um, what have have the at all community. costs. Wendy, how many communities are you protecting at all costs? as many as I can. You want to know why is because I support positive competition. I support people going head to head, duking it out and creating. Well, don't look at me like that. I see that smarky, that snarky <laughs> smirk on your face.
0: I'm, I'm in mom saying, mode right you now. Say, <laughs> the Litecoin community. I mean, it's it's as alone as ever. Even their founder left it. So I just like, I, I don't know. I think it's a little.
1: Leave, leave, leave the people alone. Yeah. Listen, listen, this is the thing. If you're working to create something to push Bitcoin to do something better than what it already is. And i got, sorry, guys, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. But basically, positive competition, especially with altcoins, forces Bitcoin developers to do better and to create better things. So again, I like all these different communities. I like altcoins. I think that there's a lot of great projects out there that are forcing the positive competition. And we need to encourage people to continue to build. That's all I'm going to say. And I'll protect the Litecoin community at all costs, even though I think I sold all of it.
3: I don't remember all right well will thank you for debunking the random information i get on twitter as you always do just keeping us straight on this show we are going to take a quick break and on the other side of the break we'll be talking about mining and what new york might be doing to push miners away stick around we'll see you in about a minute
2: so here's a big question What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second. It's not convenience. And it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe and efficient way to send money around the globe.
0: Welcome back to The Hash, where we debate the efficacy and value of coins like Litecoin. We're going to talk about Bitcoin for right now, though. We're going to talk about a new mining moratorium that's coming to New York with a two-year signing of a bill by Governor Kathy Hochul. This was an oft-debated topic throughout the summer months with New York's both upper and lower houses and assemblies voting to pass this bill, this moratorium on Bitcoin mining. A lot of people are putting pressure for the governor not to sign this bill. Seems that pressure did not last, and she ended up signing it. What this essentially means is anyone who wants to mine Bitcoin in New York cannot go forward with plans to do so. Anyone who has been mining Bitcoin for a while may maintain their operations. They just basically can't expand. This is a big deal for Bitcoin miners out there because New York State is actually a pretty big place for cheap green energy. There's a lot of Bitcoin mines up in Niagara and upstate New York using flared gas and the like. So this means like, hey, you can't really mine there anymore. Uh, Estimated about 20% plus of the US-based Bitcoin miners are actually based in New York. So they can continue to operate there, but they are not allowed to expand their operations. So that is a pretty big deal for the industry. A lot of people who have been trying to deploy capital there are going to figure out how to get around that or how to finish setting up shop. And people who had ambitions of growing in New York State are going to have to look elsewhere. So we'll probably see more decentralization based on political pressure there. Just as a disclosure, I work for Compass Mining, and we do mine in New York. So text us a little bit. But I'm going to throw this one over to Jen. Get your take on it.
3: Wendy's hand went up first. So I'm going to let Wendy take it, and then I'll roll with it. I'm going to get mad, though. Do you want to? Are you sure? (laughs) Okay, let me go first. Then Wendy's going to go on a tangent and get mad. Okay, so two things here. So the University of Cambridge says that the US accounts for 38% of global miners, right? I worry that this being passed in New York is going to create some kind of copycat legislation. You know, other states are going to see what's happening in New York and say, oh, we're also concerned about climate. So maybe we should do this because this is what's happened in New York. And then we see this trend that we've seen over the past year or two of miners being pushed from region to region as legislation changes. That is worrying to me. Now the other thing that's worrying to me is this bill says that as long as you have 100% renewable energy and you already have mining operations set up in New York, you can continue. But I think this really discourages companies who are being innovative when it comes to renewable energy to setting up shop in New York because who knows how how much this law is going to change i think it's really showing that New York is against mining they're not willing to put in the effort to learn about how mining can contribute back to to society and so i really think that at the end of the day they are pushing innovation away and the people who are working on renewable energy solutions are going to stay far away from New York and this is just bad for the industry and bad for the government wendy
1: so the thing that probably upsets me the most is New York was like the beacon of immigrants coming over. Like my family and my mother's side, they came over to New York. My family and my father's side, they came over. I'm only second or third generation American. So the fact that New York has become so predatory with their laws and their anti-capitalist like capitalist whatever, it's upsetting and it's ridiculous. Like I get they want to keep consumers and keep people safe, but we have seen that the public servants have done such a terrible job at this since 2018. And they're making... like. They just keep pushing out these laws that are just very predatory. It's like, if you really care so much about the environment, then why do we have all like we have all these cars that are providing all of this, um, all this pollution. We have these factories. We have all of these things. If you look at the streets of New York, like the actual city, it is filled with trash. So instead of them actually like putting these predatory laws and regulations on companies, on capitalism, as people that are just trying to improve their quality of life and run businesses that are paying taxes, why don't we work on doing other things first? This law bothers me. I'm upset about it. I don't like to see any type of destruction of capitalism. Um, I don't like to see entrepreneurs getting hurt. And again, New York used to be like the safe haven for people to come over from oppressed countries and to improve their quality of life to build back a better life. And it just seems that it's become this crazy place where you can't do everything, anything, and there's poverty filled, filled without or filled throughout.
0: Yeah, I'll pick it up from there and just sort of take it from a larger Bitcoin angle. And New York is infamous for its bit license, which basically means you have to go through this very rigorous, onerous process in order to get any sort of financial ability to operate within New York State. There's only been like 20 plus bit licenses ever released since 2015. And that's how tough it is to get. You have to be a large exchange. You have to have a lot of data. You have to have like a lot of lawyers on retainers in order to get this bit license. And that discouraged so many firms from operating within New York. And so people who live in New York, have less opportunity to buy good products, good Bitcoin backed products, in order to like, have their daily life. And New York took that angle, maybe just because they want to continue their dominance of the financial sector. I mean, that's no, uh, that's no hidden secret that New York City is like the financial heartbeat of not only the United States, but in many senses, the world. And they want to like, continue to operate that and hold on to that. And I think New York's government, in some instances, thinks of it as like sort of protecting it by in- introducing these. These laws, but at the same time, they can be very dangerous and they can discourage competition within the space. It can discourage people from operating within the space. In mean, Bitcoin, like New York City used to be the Bitcoin city before 2015. And then after that law passed, everyone left. And so it's kind of been sojourning around the US. I mean, we saw a lot of Miami talk this year, but I don't know if that's sticking or not. It used to be New York City and it used to be a lot of other cities, San Francisco for a second, right? Like people have been looking for like a location to be the Bitcoin city. It could be New York because it's, Financial city. Now, for miners, they're going to have to look elsewhere also, right? Like, oftentimes you want to build at your site and you want to like vertically integrate, you want to make your site where your site is at. But now they're going to have to look elsewhere, go to different places. And maybe that's good for Bitcoin long term, like more decentralization with the United States, not just adding much of hash rate into New York. But at the same time, I think it's just a net negative for everyone who is trying to operate and grow within that region. Jen, I'll give it to you though for final thoughts.
3: Yeah, there was this quote I saw in a CNBC article earlier today from the Chamber of Digital Commerce. They said the approval will set a dangerous precedent in determining who may or may not use power in New York state. I thought that was really interesting. If we look at this from a, a non-Bitcoin, non-crypto angle, when the government is is determining who can and cannot use power for for what reason, we may be entering into dangerous territory. But I guess that's it for our show. Before we get into the Thanksgiving holidays, I'm in the states, so I get to experience American Thanksgiving oh. tomorrow. I'm really excited Yay. for that. Happy Thanksgiving, guys! You guys Is don't it? seem that excited.
0: Canadians for that. don't. You guys don't get excited for Thanksgiving. You guys don't do anything. We at all.
3: have Thanksgiving, but it already passed. It was in October.
0: Mm. Mm. i
3: know there's your little canadian um knowledge for the day i think before we go though we should talk about what we're thankful for so wendy i'm gonna kick it off to you what are you thankful for this thanksgiving
1: i am thankful for mr monkey jars this is the new stuffed animal my daughter named him mr monkey jars so love mr monkey jars so thankful for mm-hmm. him and thankful for you guys and thankful for the hash and coin desk and bitcoin and crypto and those things
0: Yes, I'm thankful for Bitcoin. I'm thankful for the hash in my three wonderful co-hosts. I wish Zach was here today, but we'll think of him fondly. But that's all I'm thankful for, nothing else.
3: (laughs) I'm also thankful for you guys and my wonderful family who hosts me every time I decide to pick up and travel to different. Countries. I'm also thankful for everyone who watches The Hash every day on Coindesk TV and listens to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We hope you all have a wonderful holiday. We are off tomorrow and Friday, so we will see you on Monday. Be safe and goodbye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk
2: Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
1: You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe,
3: no minimum balance requirements, and
1: no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot Me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.